Good morning. Well, if you... I don't have the page number for the Bible uh, that are in the pews for Psalm 118, but if you turn to the middle of your Bible, in fact, the very dead centre of the Bible, the 595th chapter of the Bible, Psalm 118. There are 594 chapters before it and 594 chapters after it. Well, I haven't got the words, but I've got the verses. Uh, uh, Laurie, Jesus, got escape. I'm trying to do two things at once. Remember names and preach. It doesn't happen. Psalm 18 and, and verse 8 and 9 are, are known as the middle verses of the Bible, the 15,587th and 88th verse. So if you turn to the middle of the Bible, you should hit Psalm 118. And we'll read it through. Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me, he is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness, I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me, you have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God and he has made his light shine upon us with boughs in hand joining the festival, festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. That information I gave you about Psalm 118 is not really that relevant unless you're coming to a a church trivia night, perhaps one night uh, here. But what is relevant and what is important about Psalm 118 is that it speaks of God's love and it speaks of being thankful and it speaks of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. Psalm 118, the song is is sung by Israel and we'll we'll speak to that in a minute. And you might recognise a lot of the words from Psalm 118 in different songs that have been written over 
many years, some of them we sing even today. On Thursday night, Mackenzie came up to me at the table and, and started reading over my shoulder the text. I said, oh, Psalm 118. She got through the first few verses and she started singing, oh, that's that song. His love endures forever. Give. And I'm like, yeah, it is. We sing that one. I said, this is a song that the nation of Israel sang all those years ago. We're singing those same words. What are you thankful for this morning? What are you thankful for? I'm sure there are many things that come to your mind. And I, I'm thankful for, for those that have served in leadership. And we've recognised that this morning for so long. People that have served us and served God faithfully. But also I'm thankful for those who are involved in ministry from this church. As I, as I work through the, the uh, directory... I counted over 40 people that are hands-on into ministry. What a blessing. What something to be thankful to God for, people that get involved. You might have such things as, as good health, a house, a job, a great school for your kids. You might have a great supportive family and friends. There might be many things to be thankful for and they are things to be thankful for. But this morning as we contemplate and study Psalm 118, we recognise above and beyond those things we should be thankful for the enduring love of the Lord. You need to know this morning that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus into the world to die for your sins. That's something to be thankful for. God is good and his love endures forever. And it had me questioning myself, when is the last time, and I ask you this morning, when's the last time you just stopped to say, thank you for your love, Lord? As I contemplate just his love and what that means for me, it's enough for me to fall to my knees and just be thankful. Psalm 118 is a, is a psalm of thanksgiving and similar to the, the psalms that Raph has shared the last few weeks, that, uh, we're talking about psalms that are of reflection and that's definitely through the psalm here but not the entire psalm as you reach to Psalm 19. Um, David writing this psalm as, as he is now king and, and in power and in control. You get to verse 19 he starts, and he, he starts talking about the present and as he talks and in the context of his situation we see that this is actually a messianic psalm, things that are talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and what is to come. This song, Psalm 118, is on the mind of Jesus in the last week before his death. Um, as, we, as I said earlier, the, the nation of Israel would sing this song. 
um, at different times, but especially at the Passover. Psalms 113 to 118 are known as the Hallel Psalms. They're sung between the cups of wine at the Passover feast. After the second cup, Psalm 113 would be sung. After the third cup, Psalm 114 would be sung. And after the fourth and final cup of wine would be drunk at the Passover, Psalms 115, 16, 17, and then of course Psalm 118 being the final song. And I want you to remember that for a minute, hold that thought. See, this was a psalm that would have been, was on the mind of Jesus in his final days before his death when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. The people shouted in Matthew 21, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The people were shouting from Psalms 118 as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And later in that chapter, Jesus was rebuking and challenging the Pharisees and the chief priests of their treatment of God's servant and Jesus himself. And Jesus quotes from Psalm 118 at that time. Have you not read the scriptures, he says to them. Have you not read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. In chapter 26 at the Last Supper, the Passover meal with his disciples, Jesus, Jesus gave thanks for the bread and the cup, just as we have remembered this morning. This is the new covenant, he said, in my blood, shed for your sins. And you may not have taken much notice of Matthew 26 and verse 30. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. What hymn did they sing? It wasn't mission praise, Christian worship, or the Christian hymn, what's that one you had here, Matty, last week, the hymn book, the faith, the... the Believers hymn book. The Hallel's the Hallel Psalm, the Hallel Psalms, the hundred and thirteen to hundred and eighteen. They always sang. It might not have been all those ones, it might have been the hundred and fifteen to hundred and eighteen, but as you come to hundred and eighteen, and not long after that Jesus it says felt sorrow to the point of death. <coughs> Jesus felt sorrow to the point of death at that time. Yet these were the words on the mind of Jesus. Give thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever. What is your song at times of sorrow? I I don't mean... I don't mean like what song do you actually listen to when you're struggling. But what is the attitude like? What does your life look like when the world is caving in around you? When the hurt from someone is so deep that forgiveness seems unimaginable. When you are confused lost 
you don't know where to turn to. What is your song? What does life look like for you? What do you think about? How do you behave? Jesus saying, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Let's turn our attention then to Psalm 118 now. And this morning our focus will really be on verses 1 to 18. And the first four verses really set a foundation. They're a statement of truth that the rest of the chapter is built on and actually closes with the same statement. And that statement is to give thanks to God because his love endures forever. Uh, what love are we talking about? We, we often speak of different loves when we talk about the Greek language and the different terms of love and what they mean in the New Testament. And it is the same case here in the Old Testament in the Hebrew. What love is this that we, that we read about here in Psalm 118? The Hebrew word that we, we can translate in English is hesed. I actually Googled it and how you would pronounce that. I actually found like different pronunciations, so I just took one of them. But what's important about that word is actually the context and what it means. Hasad love is a, in the context it means covenant love. It implies a deep, meaningful love that cannot and should not be broken. God has a covenant with the people of Israel. They are his people and he loves them deeply with a covenant hesed, a covenant love. This morning we come as God's people and I can tell you that we are a chosen people. And his love for us is special, it is deep, it should not be and cannot be broken. Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It is a deep covenant love God has with his people of Israel here and he has with us, his chosen people today. We are under the covenant of his shed blood for our sins. And Colossians 3.12 tells us that we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. I want to encourage you this morning to give thanks to God because of his love, his covenant love, his deep, unbroken and special covenant love for you and me. This morning I want to look at five ways then. I want to look at five ways we should respond in giving thanks to the Lord for his love. And and these are five ways that David responded and he writes about here and we're going to use David as an example of how we should respond in giving thanks to the Lord for his love. And the first one is to pray to God. The second is to trust God. The third is to rely on the power of God. 
rely on the strength of God and fifthly to proclaim God. Look at verses 5 to 7 as we think about praying to God as our response in giving thanks for his love. David says, In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me, he is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. David starts out in anguish as he thinks back to where he was. And it says there in his anguish at that time he cried out to the Lord. And you see he finishes by looking in triumph over his enemies. God hears his prayer and answers his prayer. God's covenant love for David and his covenant love for you and me is that he's committed to hearing our prayers, he's committed to answering us. And you may sit here this morning and say, I've been crying out for two days now, or one week, or three months, and there hasn't been an answer. I've been crying out for a year, and nothing has happened. Not that there's a time frame, but you know, David, anguish and his pain from running for his life was close to 10 years. His distress of being chased, fearing for his life before he would come and rightfully sit as king of Israel would be nearly 10 years. Our calling as Christians is not to an easy life of pleasure, relaxation and abundant possessions. Although these things can definitely be true in our life circumstances and if you look around the world, we all sit here in the top few percent of the wealthiest people in the world. But it's not our purpose. It's not our calling. We are called into a relationship with God. We are called to be holy because God is holy. We are called to bear fruit. We are called to do good works that God has chosen for us to do. We are called to suffer when we do those good works and endure it because Jesus suffered and he is our example. You read that in 1 Peter 3, 17, 18. And as we live according to our calling, we are to pray. We've read these verses already, but Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. It's a real easy one to stand up here and just tell you. Completely different story when you've got to go live that out tomorrow, this afternoon. 
don't be anxious about anything but in most things or when you can no in everything by prayer with thanksgiving present your request to God why pray why pray is it so that we can be withdrawn from the circumstances that's not what it says there in Philippians I mean that might happen and that might be the purpose of that for that time but it actually says so that we can experience the peace of God in the circumstances that we're dealing with. This peace that is beyond our understanding will guard our hearts and minds. And prayer, importantly, along with thanksgiving, is to allow the believer to endure through life circumstances with the peace that God gives us. And no matter what you are facing, the promise is that God's peace in your life can carry you through. And not only carry you through, but allow you and empower you to live according to your calling. To bear fruit, to be holy, to endure through suffering and pain, knowing something greater is to come. You see, David's prayers, they didn't necessarily take him away from his circumstances. Not for up to 10 years. And I believe that this earth isn't our rightful place. It's not our home. We're just passing through. And we have been chosen to spend eternity with God in heaven. And while this place may may be a place of real hurt and suffering for you this morning, the peace of God is made available to you through prayer. And that peace of God allows you in the darkest of times to live the life God has called you to live, a holy life, a Christ-like life. Back to Psalm 118 and point number two, our response in giving thanks to the Lord for his love. We are to trust him, trust God. Verse 8 and 9 David says it is better to take refuge in the Lord than than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. If God's covenant love means nothing else to you, it has to be that God is reliable. It has to be that God is faithful, that his covenant love is all about his unfailing commitment to you and I. as it was to David. Uh, What a contrast it is in today's society that we are called and it's advertised and we're tempted to trust in so many different things. We're to trust insurance companies 
who have smiling big faces on TV, that they'll do everything they promise to do for you. Go speak to a car salesman. <clears throat> Matt. Oh, it's a great car, yeah, so reliable. <clears throat> Meant to trust them. People put their trust in all sorts of things. In the stars, in the reading of cards, in the pages of the newspapers, the, the horoscopes. It's such an obvious statement to say that the Christian knows the trustworthiness of God is superior over anything that the world has to offer. Easy, we'd all agree to that, we'd all say that. But we so often trust in the things of the world and not God alone. And it demonstrates how spiritually weak we can can be at times. And how frail we are without God. The reality is that we often reach the very end of our patience, the very end of our knowledge and understanding and wisdom, the very end of our love for others and forgiveness for others before our personal reserves are emptied and we haven't got anywhere before we lastly turn to our Lord. Wouldn't it be so much better just to come to him first? Are you in the midst right now of suffering and worry I encourage you to trust him today. Don't let it get to Friday this week or in three months' time when you've tried to do everything your way. Trusting God with whatever you're dealing with says, I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know how much more painful this is going to be. But Lord God, I know you are bigger and greater than this circumstance. And as I endure this, I want to experience peace. And I want to be Christ-like through this. The third point is to rely on the power of God. If you turn to verse 10... All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. We've already spoken about that when we pray and we when we trust God as a response in thanks for his love, that it's not about God taking, plucking us out of the circumstances and dropping us over here in happy land.
It's about God empowering and being with us in the circumstances. And what we learn here is that God equips us with his power to persevere and triumph over our enemies and our issues and our problems. When David is surrounded by enemies on all sides, God didn't airlift him out. He had to fight his way out. You see, it says there, I cut them off, I cut them off, I cut them off, David said. Did he do that in his own power? Absolutely not. He would have failed miserably. He says, I did in the name of the Lord. 1 Samuel 17, 44 and 45. I'm not sure if you know about this story. David and Goliath. Just a little story here in 1 Samuel 17. The big giant says to David, come here. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And David said to him, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the almighty God. And he goes on to defeat the giant with a stone and a sling. (laughs) David isn't the powerful one, God is. And I can tell you right now, I'm not powerful at all, neither are you, but God is. You can't face and deal with what Satan is throwing your way and what life and the world will throw at you. You need power. You need God's power. And I encourage you this morning that that power is sitting in the back of the seat in front of you or it might be sitting in your lap or you may have left it at home on the bookshelf. That power is the word of God. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, he didn't flex his muscles. He said three times, it is written, it is written, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In Ephesians 6.17, Paul speaks of the armour of God and the, the only offensive weapon mentioned is the powerful sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And 1 John 2.14, John says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have conquered the evil one. How are they strong? How are they powerful? How have they conquered the enemy? The word of God abides in them. 
and it opened my eyes this week that we will not experience the power of God unless you come to his word. Meditate on it, study it, memorise it. Go into your week, into your day, knowing you are powerfully prepared to face the day by spending time in the Word of God. The fourth way to respond in giving thanks to the Lord for his love and it goes hand in hand with the power of God, relying on the power of God is to rely on the strength of God. Verses 13 to 16, he says, I was pushed back and about to fall but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. David is remembering the strength of the Lord from times past. He's, he is quoting from Exodus chapter 15 where Moses had brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt and they sang this song of thanks to the Lord. God had saved his people and they sang the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And the the picture of power, the right hand of God that you see through scripture is mentioned in Exodus 15 and David repeats it here, echoes it here three times. The Lord right hand. The Lord's right hand, the Lord's right hand is powerful, is lifted high, has done mighty things. 1 Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God would be praised through Jesus Christ. To rely on his strength is to recognise who we are, that I am weak and he is strong. That God can accomplish so much more than I can. The Christian life is a life centred on Christ and to be loving and forgiving and gracious and patient as Christ is, is only possible through his strength when we surrender ourselves to him. I continuously, but I can tell you not enough, pray to God recognising my need for his strength in dealing with life's circumstances day by day. that I would surrender myself to him. And in doing so, my focus would completely come off what I want and how I want to do it. But I would be fully aware of the temptations and the sin that so easily entangles me.
only in his strength can we experience victory. Only in his strength can our life be seen as holy and Christ-like. Can you imagine Moses leading the nation of Israel out by himself? They say up to two million people. What's he going to do when he gets to the Red Sea? Can you imagine David picking up a little pebble and a sling in his own strength to fight Goliath? Why do we go on so often in our own strength? Unable to stop and just say, not my way, not the way I want to do it, not all the things I want, but Lord, I just surrender myself to you. I'm going to face difficult things this week, but I need your strength. I need your power to deal with it, to be Christ-like through it. God gave strength to Moses and they saved Israel from Pharaoh. The same God gave strength to David who defeated the giant who was saved from death on the run for up to 10 years, who was made king of Israel. And we have a reason to be thankful this morning because God loves us. He loved David and Moses and the strength that was it of God, which is at disposal for those guys, let me tell you, is the same as God is the same in 2018 for you and I. Lastly, in verses 17 to 18, we are to proclaim God. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely but he has not given me over to death. If God is powerfully working in your life, if God has saved you from eternity in hell to eternity in heaven and God is changing you, then you've got to tell people, friends. You have to tell people. The Apostle Paul had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. You know, probably know it very well. Changed his life forever. He went from a murderer to a, a church planter, a missionary, a pastor, a, an author. And in Romans 1.16 he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. Paul wasn't afraid to proclaim God. He wasn't afraid to proclaim the good news to everyone he came across. And as I was challenged this week, I challenge you this morning, are you thankful? Are you thankful that he loves you this morning? Are you ready to proclaim him? Are you ready to tell everyone about the good news? See, David's confidence in declaring that he will not die, but he will live, in verse 17, is is not a belief that David is immortal. Didn't go to his head thinking that he'll live forever. 
but that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that the enemies won't determine when I die, David says, but God will. And our lives and our deaths are ultimately a part of God's sovereign plan. In Matthew 10, 29, Jesus said, are not two sparrows sold for a penny. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. Even the hairs on your head are counted. Do not worry, you are worth more than many sparrows. You see, God is all-knowing and nothing is a surprise to him. Labor winning last night, the election, is not a surprise probably to most of us, but not a surprise to God. No war is a surprise to God. No death, no sickness is a surprise to him. How will you show your thanks to God for his love? Will you proclaim him? Look at the next couple of verses following what Jesus said about the sparrow in Matthew 10:32 Whoever acknowledges me before men I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven but whoever disowns me before men I will disown him before my father in heaven Are you proclaiming God in your life when the conversation with family and friends and work colleagues turn to religious matters are you there proclaiming God or is it time to be quiet when the conversation starts on sexual purity marriage and gossip and lies are you prepared to proclaim God and the truth of his word. Are you thankful this morning for his love, his enduring love? What is your response going to be today and this week to his love for you? David leaves us this example to pray, to trust rely on his power, rely on his strength and to proclaim him. Let us give thanks as we close. Lord and Father, thank you for your word that we open it with confidence knowing that it is the truth, that it is your power for salvation. Lord, I pray your spirit will use it today to pierce our hearts, rebuke us where needed, challenge us and guide us and encourage us as we leave this place to trust in you, to pray, rely on your strength and power and to stand up and not be ashamed of the gospel. Proclaim your name this week. In Jesus' name, amen.